0: Hello and welcome to this podcast series which explores the recently published book A New Dynamic 2. The book looks at effective systems in a circular economy and contains 11 articles which span a variety of fields including architecture, agriculture, design, business and engineering providing insights that point towards a new regenerative framework for economic prosperity. I'm Colin Webster and I work with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who published the book. The pattern in which cities have grown is predictable across the world and is based on the economic relationship between the centre and the edge. There are some clues that pattern is changing, driven by advances in information technology. What might happen to the city if we regenerate activities by internalising energy and material flows? That's the topic of this podcast. Joining us in this conversation is Michael Batty, who is the Bartlett Professor of Planning at University College London, where he's the chair of the Centre for Advanced Spatial Analysis. Michael, one thing you write about in your chapter is von Thunen's concentric ring model. Just very briefly, could you describe what that's all about? Um, cities, in some sense, cities organize themselves around some central
1: point. There may be more than one central point, and that's sort of begun to happen as cities have grown and diversified. But generally speaking, most cities have a central point, the origin of settlement. And around that, um, clearly different uh, rings of development take place. If you need to be near to the core, then you're likely to... Uh, be able to pay more rent in this sense so consequently what we see in the modern city is um, you know uh, financial services high-rise offices et cetera, here for example in London that's a very classic phenomenon and in New York the bigger the city the more the concentrated these functions and as you go to the edge basically um space, more. You, you're able to command more space and, and clearly residential development, lower densities and so on. So, to some extent, von Thunen's model was the first model that tried to explain this. It tried to explain um, these rings of uh, like land use, uh, which vary around the centre. It tried to explain them in terms of the trade-off between transport costs, i.e. getting from the ring to the centre, and the amount of rent that... Um, an individual or an organization would pay in that sense. So that was the essence of the model, and that's still really the basis of urban economics in this sense.
0: Great. And you make this point, of, um, which is, I suppose, unsurprising to this audience, that um, with the development of IT, it kind of changes our relationship in the city a little bit, that lines of communication are no longer all about the roads and the access to the centre, but actually they can really transform how we experience the city and indeed where we might choose to live and play in a city. Do, do you see a future where we'll have a distributed centre or a number of centres in a city? Well, I think
1: that this is the $64,000 question. Is, some people would say that we've, we've really just passed the threshold uh, in, the last, in the last 50 years or so um, uh, where, for example, an increasing number of, it, the, of things that we interact with are being uh, done through information technology. For example, this uh, very conversation we're having is that we're in different places, etc. It's done over the net uh, and so on. And and this, um, people will say, and we we have no idea what will happen. This will make a big difference to this notion that, the notion in cities that form follows function. The idea is that the form of the city, what we see, follows the sort of functions which are physical in terms of rents, transport costs, things of that sort, material flows in that sense. Information flows are beginning to change all of that. So we have really no idea what the future city will be like. I mean, various people in the, in in the last fifty years, have speculated about this. Alvin Toffler, for example, uh, talked about the electronic cottage, etc. Everybody moves to wherever they want, and where we're wired in a sense. That's another extreme. You know, the face to face contact is still incredibly important. Often people say that good information technology and good face to face contact—they're both absolutely essential. So that the idea that the city's central business district will somehow diffuse. Is possible is is not that likely? Although some things will diffuse, for example, stock exchanges have diffused massively uh, from um, your Wall Street and uh, and uh, you know downtown London and so on. So, so to some extent, this is this is the big question. In a way, we can think of this as the as the substitution, if you like, of of information for energy, or really the complement complement to energy is information, and it's this transition to the information city uh, that could actually change an awful lot.
0: All right, I, I want to now ask you about something that um, I struggled to to understand. You we, we wrote about um, how cities build themselves using fractal patterns, okay. um, which helps with that, that r- robustness and the sustainable nature of a city. Could you explain a little bit more what you mean by these fractal patterns? Yes,
1: in some senses the... Um, The idea that systems, human systems, economic systems and so on, city systems, um, uh, are sort of complex in some sense, that that we've gradually sort of realised, I think, as we've begun to... study these systems in greater and greater detail and have experience of them and so on, uh, that um, they are indeed complex beyond what we originally thought would was the case in some sense. So it's the growth of complexity in this sense. Cities are also getting more complex as time goes on. There are more things happening, more technologies, more networks and so on. Um, in, in, in this particular context, um, uh, cities are really built from the bottom up. If you look at any city... If you looked at an aerial photograph of a city from high up or a remotely sensed image, for example, you'd see a structure that, uh, in some senses, looked like an explosion of growth, really, around a centre. And nobody planned that, in a sense. So the first point is, looking at cities in this way, you can immediately say, well, nobody planned this. This is just like the growth of a physical phenomenon. But, of course, the way that is created is really from the bottom up. Most of what goes on in cities are created by ourselves, really, in that sense. Obviously, ag- ourselves acting as agents within agencies and so on. Um, most of a city is not planned in that sort of top-down comprehensive sense. So what we, what we, what we, um, what we see in cities is that uh, these decisions which are made from the bottom up uh, then generate patterns which are quite ordered in some sense. The patterns are similar. From scale to scale. A good example of this is um, is shopping centres. Normally, in a city, we have one big centre at the centre. Normally, uh, we might have some edge cities or out of town shopping centres. But then, as we look at the hierarchy of these things, we have more district centres and then more and more neighbourhood centres, etc. And these are actually ordered in a sort of relatively um, well-ordered hierarchy in that sense. So, in other words, the, the, patterns are, uh, the patterns are irregular in some sense, but there's a regularity in them uh, that uh, is much the same at different scales, at different, ty- different levels of shopping centres, say. The same for the road network, in a sense. There are uh, a limited number of motorways, there's a lot more A roads, a lot more B roads, and so on. Uh, so we see a hierarchy of the road system, and these represent This hierarchy of similar things is referred to really as a fractal. A fractal is an object in geometry and mathematics that is self-similar in our context across different scales. So we see the same sort of pattern at the lowest level and we can see it at the next level up and so on. Um, A good example. Is a network. A network looks like a tree in this sense very often. Uh, A city network would, with the big roads, the big branches, and then the twigs and so on. Um, uh, Each little bit of element of this network sort of reflects the whole thing. So if we look at a city network of uh, transport lines, etc., you have big. Uh, roads coming into the centre and then splitting off to smaller roads and so on, a bit like a tree in this sense. In, in fact, that system is very much the process of passing energy uh, to the centre. It's sort of it's part of the flow of activity in a sense. So that represents a fractal. The idea that we see these patterns at a very fine scale and we can also see them at the big scale as well.
0: Michael, one thing that struck me uh, was that when you were discussing the circular city, you quickly widened your focus to include other cities. You talked about a system of cities. You wrote that circular economy might bring about a stable economy composed of cities existing in, in a dynamic equilibrium. What do you mean by that?
1: Yes, in what, what I was suggesting in the chapter uh, was that uh, the kind of flows that drive the contemporary city uh, tend to be flows from the outside world, which we assume will continue indefinitely. Uh, so, for example, you know, in, in, in any big city, most people working and uh, and living in, in a city uh, simply assume that from somewhere will come food, etc., uh, resources of various sorts, etc. What I was um, attempting to suggest in the in the chapter was that we really need to try and internalize some of these flows, these flows between the outside and the inside, between the environment and the system really, the environment being the hinterland and the the city itself. Uh, These flows are all one way, it's all one way traffic uh, in this particular context. Uh, a one way causality, and in some senses, to build a sustainable city, we need to begin to think about internalizing these flows. That, the, in other words, creating, if you like, energy um, in the broadest sense of the world, creating the energy that actually powers the way cities actually function uh, from within rather than from without. Now, that's a big call, I mean, it's a massive change. Uh, in terms of the way uh, the world works in that sense. But uh, the other thing I think I was sort of suggesting, although this is not well worked out, is that information, the trade-off between information and energy might uh, make an enormous difference. So if you take something like autonomous cars, where a vast amount of the activity in the car is related to information technologies, artificial intelligence and so on, Um, It's very likely that autonomous cars would be powered differently in some sense by electricity, which could be created uh, uh, in in a slightly more internalized way than, um, uh, you know, fossil fuel driven, oil driven, I should say, cars in this sense. Uh, But also that the information technology itself could improve quite dramatically the way energy is actually uh, uh, actually operates and functions within the car itself. So, so autonomous cars would not only be, um, uh, you know, self-driving in some sense uh, through the information technology. They'd be also much more efficient in terms of the, uh, the use of uh, the use of energy, etc., because of the information technology. So, to some extent, that internalization through inf- through the trade-off of information and energy is partly something that can cr- be created in the city itself. Um, and of course, we could expand that argument to a whole range of other functions, etc. Um, I don't really speculate in, in, the, in, in the chapter, but other people, I think, do in the book, really, how one might begin to think about uh, uh, food supplies, etc., uh, in cities that can be uh, internalized in some particular context, um, uh, the way cities are actually built in terms of their materials, and so on and so forth.
0: Okay, I want to ask you one final question, then, Michael. In uh, back to your book, "The New Science of Cities," you say that an understanding of cities must extend to predicting flows and networks interactions, rather than merely observing them. What do you mean by this, predicting flows?
1: Well, we we need to one of the one of the key issues, I think, is that locations. Um, uh, we we look at cities as a set of locations. Uh, In the book, I I really argue that we really should unpack that and really look at what supports a location. So, in some senses, every location uh, really depends on its connectivity, its networks to other locations, really. Uh, And if we want to predict where people might live in the future, we need to predict you know, how they flow into those locations. In other words, the pattern of connectivity. So uh, it, it's no more or no less than that, That what I'm really saying about predicting flows, etc. Um, it's much harder to predict flows uh, because there's so much more diversity. If you think of, of 10 places uh, and the number of possible links between those 10 places, which is, say, 10 squared, which is 100 possible links, uh, including two-way links in, in this particular context, uh, then you can see the magnitude of the task. It, what we've been trying to do in the past is predict what happens in the 10 locations or the 10 places quite independently, very often, of the flows into those places and between those places. To some extent, to get a better understanding of what might happen in those places, we need to predict the flows in this particular context. So, so that And that's a big challenge because it's not just transport networks, it's every kind of network, social networks, information networks, email, uh, everything really in that particular context that we need to put together to get a good handle on what actually happens in different places.
0: Michael, it's been fascinating listening to your views of how the city will change and how the importance of flows will be um, central to the development of the city in the future. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Colin. If you'd like to learn more about how cities are changing, or if you'd like to read about the other themes explored in the book, A New Dynamic 2, you can order your copy from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation website. In addition, you can join me speaking to more contributors to the book by looking out for the other podcasts in this series. Until next time, it's goodbye.